Welcome back to our final AP World History podcast, and uh, we're going to look at the uh, last issue in the modernization of the world. Uh, actually, this isn't the last issue, but uh, the last one we're going to focus on, which is the environmental issues on, on things. So we're going to dive into this here. We're going to first talk about kind of the environmental issues that come up and that lead us to it, and then the environmental re- or the environmentalism and the reaction to those issues. So let's start off here with uh, talking about uh, the global population. Uh, when we started this uh, era uh, from 1900 to present, uh, we had about 1.6 billion people on the earth. Now, uh, by 2012, we reached 7 billion, and now we're, we're increasing from there, and we're not looking to stop anytime soon. Uh, we've got a very um, rapid growth in, in humanity, uh, and that's because of industrialization. Uh, industrialization of uh, manufacturing and creating more goods and, and things like that that people need and also a, a green revolution in farming and so let's talk about uh, both those here so starting off with the industrialization piece of it that's led to uh, new medicines and better health care uh, that's also uh, led to us being able to produce more where we're making 40 times the amount of stuff today than we were making back in 1900 so we can supply things for more people and uh, the downside of that is, although it's produced all this economic growth, it's uh, really uh, led to an increase in the use of fossil fuels that uh, causes environmental damage, like increasing CO2 levels that leads to global warming. Uh, it um, has led to uh, larger cities or more suburbs that spread out and take over uh, in um take over natural habitats from animals and will lead to uh, more endangered species or extinct species. And um, it also leads to a lot more air pollution and, and, and pollution within the, in the waterways with uh, runoff from, from those factories and stuff like that. And uh, the, the air pollution can lead to acid rain that destroys forests. So you have a lot of issues with, with those types of things. Um, and then one of maybe the biggest ones was uh, the use of CFCs or chlorofluorocarbons in uh, refrigeration units that led to the ozone layer being depleted. And so you get these holes in the ozone layer so that there's no protection from the sun's ultraviolet light. So uh, those are issues just for manufacturing. Then you factor in the farming uh, with the Green Revolution. And the Green Revolution is what made us getting to 7 billion people truly possible because without the food to supply all the world population, you're not going to get there. And so what happens is from 1900 to present, we get more and more industrialization in, in farming just as well as in manufacturing. And so you can see farm output increasing with the uh, rise of tractors and then tractors becoming bigger, better, and more powerful, um, then becoming more and more automated. So today, if you get a John Deere factor tractor, you can have one that uh, drives you, drives you around your, your, uh, acreage and uh, can help you harvest and, and really does a lot of the work for you. And it's also, we got all these combines that help harvest it and, and do all that stuff. So it's not no longer like hand picking, although there are crops that you still need to hand pick. Um, <coughs> you have a major increase in mechanization that allows you to uh, grow more. And then on top of that, we have uh, new uh, technologies, new chemicals and stuff that we use on our farms to uh, reduce pests and increase output. So we have fertilizers uh, that use uh, petroleum uh, and uh, put new, um, it sounds weird that we're putting oil uh, on it, but it's not like oil, oil, but it's uh, petroleum-based products that uh, we use as fertilizers that then 
put new nutrients into the ground that allow us to uh, produce more. And uh, we also have herbicides, insecticides, uh, fungicides, uh, all those uh, things to kill any pests that might uh, limit our output. So we have an increase in output from that. And then on top of all that, we've continued to genetically modify um, our plants and our animals that we use to be able to feed this larger population. And uh, you'll notice I say continue because we've always been doing this. Uh, now we've genetically modified them differently today than we were doing them previously maybe and that we're using labs and stuff like that but the plants that we're eating today are nothing like what they were back 10,000 years ago when we started this agricultural revolution so it's it's something that's always been happening but there are fears of how much is genetically modifying is it too much and, and whatnot but um, that's going on and and the one really good thing that's come from that um, genetically modification genetic modifications that we can produce more on an acreage than we could previously uh, and so we get uh, better crops that are more resistant to uh, bad environmental conditions and also we get crops that are more calorically dense uh, which can be a really good thing if you're in an area that's got a famine going on or whatnot you don't need as much food to survive then uh, and so Norman Borlaug's uh, more dense wheat um, is really good but um, it can also be a bad thing, and uh, Borlaug, who is an Iowan, and so a uh, really cool thing to bring up there, one of the one of the really important Iowans when it comes to scientific discoveries, um, is that that wheat will also be adopted by the U.S., which doesn't have issues of famine and stuff like that. So now, when you make your uh, bread, uh, you're using wheat that is the same amount of wheat, but it's more calorically dense, and so now you've got twice the calories in that. Uh, bread than you did before and now that's going to lead to issues in obesity like we see today uh, also uh, the mechanization of farming in and focusing on like corn and then making high fructose corn syrup and making that really cheap stuff to have also leads to those issues so uh, the one last thing to bring up uh, really with with the farming the green revolution is because we can farm more we can uh, go into uh, areas that weren't as productive and make them really productive now is you have again more deforestation like we saw with the increase in manufacturing and then these chemicals are going to run off into the water and that's going to taint the water supplies even more and so that leads to to major environmental issues with those as well but uh again you you can't have we can't crucify the green revolution we can't crucify manufacturing because without that you don't have the world that we're living in today uh it, it'd be completely different and there'd be a lot more issues going on however uh people haven't necessarily wanted to stop the process of what's happening but they do want to change uh, how it's happening and, and all the uh, environmental issues that are happening so we first see environmentalism step up in the early 1900s with the push towards uh creating national parks uh, to protect certain landscapes and, and uh, natural scenes that we wanted to protect and to protect those animals that live there. And then uh, that's continued up until today, but that wasn't enough to really change the environment and make things better and limit global warming and, and other environmental uh, disasters that were going on. And so uh, people advocated for the government after uh, the book Silent Spring to really change how we were doing um treating the environment what we were doing and uh, silent spring uh, is a book that came out in the 60s and was about how uh, we have issues with uh, birds dying uh, not being able to reproduce because of a, um, a insecticide called ddt that was there to kill mosquitoes and uh, that led to uh, a decrease in birth rate um, 
of the major apex predators in birds, and that's leading to environmental issues throughout. So uh, they advocated for the banning of it, or environmentalists advocated for the banning of it, got it banned, and uh, that set off a trend of finding what's what are we doing that's harming the environment and getting um, governments to legislate against that and, and try to protect the environment more. And so you have environmental protections in what you do with your, your sewage and your waste and, and, and all that stuff. So we get things going better there. It's led to organizations and clubs to advocate for certain animals and uh, and fight for them. Uh, those then lead to global uh, organizations like the UN and, and other organizations um, leading to international agreements like to end uh, whaling and uh, leading to things like the Kyoto Protocols and the Paris Climate Accords where you're going to either not go and attack uh, or, or harvest these types of um animals or you're going to try to limit your CO2 and other greenhouse gas productions. Now, not everyone has to join those, not everyone has to listen to those, so that leads to still issues, uh, especially if we're going to talk about the, the limiting of CO2 and stuff like that. Um, since we're still based around fossil fuels heavily and those are the cheapest way to do it, uh, the Global South looks at that as an attack on them to keep them from rising up because uh, they don't have the money to do all these renewable energy resources, and they might not be able to even do those in their areas anyways. And fossil fuels uh, give them that opportunity. And so they they resist these because if they can't industrialize with fossil fuels, they're never going to catch the West, and so it's a way to keep them down. So you see some resistance there in that um, respect. And also you see resistance to that in just the West. The U.S. doesn't want to adopt it. And, um, and China, who's not in the West, also resists to adopt it, even though they've uh, industrialized because or are in the process of industrializing because it's going to it's going to severely affect their economy. So the the goal of environmentalism um, is going to need to be to find a way to uh, get a balance there of, of how much can we do push on the side of the economics and really improve things that way. And uh, how much do we need to scale back on that to still be productive, but also protect our environment so we have a place for the long term. And, and that's kind of where we're at in the world. Uh, there are uh, some uh, factors, especially like global warming, that are making people really nervous about what we're doing or that we're not doing enough uh, and that uh, we'll be too late when we finally do something. Uh, but um, there's, I don't know, we're not going to make judgments on that stuff here in, in this class. We're just going to kind of go by, here's, here's what's going on, and then now it's your chance to make a judgment on uh, what actions need to be taken. So... That's kind of uh, the environmentalism in a nutshell. Uh, the one thing I should say is, is the term to, to end with is this, this time that we live in now is, is known as the Anthropocenic Age, which means that, or it's, uh, it's the Anthropocene, and that means that it's the age of humans. And uh, it's, we're calling it that because we control the environment. All these things that, we're talk, that we looked at, the Green Revolution, the industrialization, the... Um, the uh, destroying of the environment, the protection of the environment, the reversing of global warming and other things like that is all in the control of man. And so it comes down to us to decide what's going to happen and how many species will go extinct and how many will be able to save, how many environments will be able to protect and keep pristine and what happens to the rest of them. So uh, the earth is in control of the humans and it's it's down to humans to decide kind of what's, what's going to happen. And that's uh, kind of the Anthropocenic age or era in a in a nutshell there, and and that's what we'll kind of end with here.